Thank you so, so much for being here. My name is Pastor Boz. If you're just tuning in, I'm the community care pastor here at God Squad Church, and I have the privilege and the honor to bring you guys the message for a second week in a row, and I'm super excited about that. But first, I have a question for you guys. For those of you that are in the chat, who here has ever been, uh, and, and this is good, this is going to sound, everybody's going to be, have, have to put a five in the chat. Who here has ever been in a race before? Okay. Who here has been in a race before? You know, put a five in the chat if you have been in a race. Everything to me, at least used to be when I was a kid, I thought everything was a race. You would have those, those CMT tests. I think they were called, I don't know what they were called elsewhere, but we had something called state testing that we had to do. They were called CMTs, I think it was. Maybe I'm getting things mixed up. I don't remember. We had these state tests where we had to run a mile or so for gym class. And basically all we had to do was we had to run the mile in a certain amount of time. And if we did it in a certain amount of time, then we passed. But for me, if I didn't get in first place, that was a failure. I was, I, I did not care that I passed it by 10 minutes. I wanted to get in first place from first through like seventh or eighth grade. I got in first place every single time because it was a race to me. Another thing that was a race to me, and you guys might think this is a little bit funny, but uh, me and my wife, we were both in a Christmas pageant uh, when we were extremely young. We were extremely young. I was probably about five. She was probably about four years old. And at those ages, you don't really get a big part in the Christmas pageant, right? You get to be a sheep. And so literally me and a flock of other three, four, five-year-olds, we were all sheep dressed as sheep. We get on our knees in the aisle at, at Christmas, at Christmas time in the middle of the church. And we would all go on our knees all the way down to the front of the church. And I remember being at my house before the Christmas pageant happened and I practiced. I wasn't practicing form. I was making sure that I was going to run on my knees the fastest out of those five-year-olds, four-year-olds, and three-year-olds. I wanted to be the first person to the front of the aisle. Now, unfortunately, my wife, she was also in this Christmas pageant. I didn't even know until I was probably you know, 16 years old. We, that's when we kind of reconnected. We didn't even know that we knew each other at that age. But unfortunately, it was caught on video that her ear as a sheep it was falling off. And so she was trying to hold her ear on and she was trying to, you know, move forward with her, her three legs that were left. And it's on video. Her grandparents are kind of nudging her along, like you got to get going. And she, it's a traumatizing experience for somebody that's, you know, about three, four years old, trying to hold on an ear as her ear is falling off. And they're trying to get to the front of the church. Now, I wish I could tell you that I was the charming person that I am today and a gentleman and I stayed behind and I held that ear on for my wife as she was going down to the front of the aisle, but I did not. The only time that I did walk down the aisle, you know, with her was at our wedding day 20 years later and I left her in the dust that day. Okay. <laughs> so I always thought everything was a race though. And really, there's two different types of races that we do have. You have sprints and you have marathons, right? The sprint, you exert all of your energy in an, as quick as you possibly can in a 40-yard, maybe a 100-yard dash or something of that nature. And you use all of your energy to be able to get to the finish line as quick as possible. Where a marathon, you really need to pace yourself. 
you need to pace yourself so that you have enough energy in the middle and at the end to be able to continue exerting all that energy that you have and then be able to finish strong. And honestly, most marathons, they're not even races anyways. More, more about marathons, it's more about the fact that you're finishing and that you're finishing strong. It's a sense of accomplishment. It's not necessarily a race at that point. And maybe you've heard this before. It's a little bit cliche. I've heard this for a good, a good per- portion of my, of my life is that life is not a sprint, but life is a marathon and we need to treat it like a marathon. I know that through uh, a lot of portions of my life, I've treated it like a sprint where I really, really exert all of my energy in one area, but then another area of my life, or maybe a, a week later or a month later, I'm super exhausted. I need to take that time to rest. But we need to be treating life like it's a marathon, not like it's a sprint, because I truly believe that God does. God wants us to finish strong. Could you imagine running a, a five-mile marathon and after the first half mile, you fall down and you, you and, and then you're you're too exhausted to be able to run the last four and a half miles. And so what do you do? You crawl. You get on your hands and knees. Your knees are now scraped up. Your your hands are being burned by the asphalt. You, you know, you, you got all these different things that are happening and you crawl through the finish line. I don't think that's the plan that God has for us. I don't think that's what he wants for us. I truly believe that God wants us to thrive in life and not just be able to make it barely to the finish line or we crawl through the finish line. I think he wants us to be upright. I think he wants us to run through the finish line and to finish strong in our life. And so I hope today that with the three points that I bring to you guys, I hope that it's going to help you guys to understand how to finish strong in life, how to continue going in life and to be able to stand upright so that when you do reach the finish line, that you are finishing strong. Because it's like I said, life is difficult. It is very, very hard. But I want to be able to hopefully give you three points today that will help you through that. So once again, this will probably be the last time I do this. Put a five in the chat. If you like playing video games together, I like playing video games together. Okay. I like playing video games with other people that I know. And not only that, there are just specific types of games. We've got fives coming in all over the chat. Let's go. People doing, doing life together and playing games together. It's amazing, right? So there's specific games that are just better to play with other people. MMOs, for example. Final Fantasy 14, WoW, EverQuest, you know, all these games, they're just better. They're just better to play with other people who you know. MOBAs is another one, okay? It's just better to play with other people that you know. If you start playing with randoms, you might have people that are getting upset with you. Now, I'm not a big League of Legends player, but I have heard that's a bit of a toxic community, okay? I've heard that's a bit of a toxic community. So that when you mess up, there's not a whole lot of forgiveness that's given there. They might come at you. There might be some fights that are in there and things like that. But when you're playing with people that you know, it's a lot better, right? And not only is it a lot better, there's less toxicity. There's um, there's there's better communication. It's just overall a better experience, and it's easier as well. I remember a long time ago when we used to play uh, Rainbow Six Siege inside of our community. I remember we uh, a lot of us used to play. We used to rag on each other every once in a while. It was a good time, though. I People used to make fun of me because I would make a stupid move of jumping through a window. I always listened to like Christmas music, like the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and broke through Chris, like bl- broke through windows while I was listening to it. Just just going in, just you know, spray, praying, spraying, right? 
Whereas uh, I know that we people used to rag on me for that. I used to rag on Hawk all the Hawkopedia all the time because he'd play the guy who was supposed to set down body armor at the beginning of the game, but he would forget to do so. So middle of the game, you start seeing some body armor laying around. You're like, I didn't even know this this was out here. And so we'd rag on him a little bit. It was good to joke around with each other, though. There was no toxicity. It was just a good experience. And you're also probably more than likely going to play better when you're playing with people that you know as well. See, here's the real question I have for you. Why is it, why are we so willing to play video games with each other when we know it's going to be a better experience, but we insist on doing life alone? We insist on doing life alone. Sometimes we even insist on doing life with just other random people in our life, not necessarily just random people, but people who maybe we shouldn't be getting advice from. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But I want to read for you guys a verse that comes from Hebrews. It's going to be on a screen. It's chapter 12. I'm going to read through verse 1, but really we're going to try and stick with the first part. We'll read through the whole first uh, verse uh, to start with, and then we'll go back to what we're really going to talk about for the first point. But it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let me read that first part again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we have a cloud of witnesses that are surrounding us, people who know Jesus Christ, people who have accepted him into their life, and yet a lot of times we just don't want the help from other people who know Jesus. And so there's two things that we defer to going to as human beings. This is something that I don't know why we do this. Uh, I have some suggestions of maybe why we do it, but there are two things that we resort to as humans. The first thing I would say is that we do life with random people. Now, I'm not saying random people, just you know, somebody that you don't know, a complete stranger on the street or anything like that. Uh, I, I, maybe some people do that, but for the most part, probably not. But there's a lot of times that I'll know people who are Christians who go to somebody that's not a Christian with their problems, and they're asking for advice from them specifically. They're saying, well, I don't know what to do in this situation. So let me give you an example. If you have somebody who is uh, who's having struggles inside of their marriage, and they go to somebody that isn't a Christian, and they say, hey, listen, I'm really struggling with my marriage right now. Things are just not going well. We're fighting all the time. The kids are unhappy. This is happening. This is happening. The finances are all out of whack. Well, the, the person that's not a Christian, they might respond like this. I'll solve all of your problems right now. Sign the papers. Get a divorce. Easy. Be done with it. Everything will be in the past. Not that uh, already that's going to create more problems as it is, okay? But not only that, but this is also going against the word of God. If somebody who is struggling with other problems, they might say, I'm really struggling with these things. Well, let's just go out tonight. Let's, let's get drunk tonight and forget about all of our problems that we're going through right now. It's a temporary solution because when you wake up the next morning, all of the problems that you have in your life, they're still going to be there. 
they're still going to be there because it's a temporary solution to get rid of your problems that aren't even getting rid of them. It's not solving them. It's a temporary solution. And the reason why it's a temporary solution is because it's coming from a worldly point of view. When we come to at things with a godly point of view, when we're going to people who are Christians, who have godly advice, God is the only thing ever that is eternal. God is eternal and the things of this world are passing away. And so what I would encourage you to do is not to be going to other people who aren't Christians, who might give you some false advice, who might give you the advice to get a divorce or to do this or to do that, because it's going to give you some temporary relief. I would encourage you to go to those people who are Christians, who do love you, who have the best intentions for your life, and they can go through with you biblically. This is how you can get through these different types of situations in your life. I would encourage you to do that. But another thing that we default to a lot of the times, not just doing things with people who aren't Christians, a lot of times we just like to go through our situations in life and isolate. We isolate ourselves. We don't allow anybody else in. And this is, this is so detrimental to our lives. I can't even begin to explain to you guys how detrimental it is to isolate. Who in here has ever isolated in a problem that they've had before? And it doesn't have to be like a major problem. It could be something like, you know, you failed the test and so you went and you you took a nap. Okay. I'm not saying that it's bad to take a nap, but a lot of times what we do is we isolate. I know that I've isolated before in certain situations. I know people that are close to me who have isolated before in situations there's a reason why they say that one of the types of torture is isolation. And it's because we are, think of it, we are so bound to relationships and we need to be. We need relationships in our life. The very first experience you have when you're born is you're held in somebody's arms. Immediately, you have relationship right there, your first experience is being held in somebody's arms. We have family that's around us. Maybe God has a plan for your life to have a spouse in the future, or if it, maybe you already do have a spouse. You have People have kids. We have re- friends. We have relationships that are surrounding us. It's infused in our DNA. There's a reason why that during COVID-19, back starting in 2020 for, for us in America and other places starting, whether it be later or earlier than that, that depression and anxiety, it it, it skyrocketed. It skyrocketed the percentages. And the reason why was because people couldn't be face-to-face. They were being bound to isolation. They were made to stay in quarantine in their homes for 14 days. We can't be isolating ourselves when we're going through a specific situation, when we're going through a specific problem. We need to be open with each other. But I do think that there are multiple reasons why we might isolate. And maybe one of these things will speak to you. But I, I, I know that one of them definitely speaks to me. First one I would say is I'm the only one. I'm the only one that has ever experienced this situation. I can tell you there are over 7 billion people currently on this planet. You are not the only person ever in life to have experienced whatever situation you're going through. Not to you know, say that your situation is light or anything, whatever you might be going through. It, it might be a very serious one, but you are not the only one. Another one might be, well, if I don't open up to anybody, 
then I'm safe. You see, a lot of times what we do is we build these walls that kind of surround our heart. We kind of take refuge between these walls so that nobody else has access to our heart. And we say, well, if I build up these walls and I stay behind them, I'm safe here. I'm safe here. Nobody else can hurt my heart anymore. I don't have to get my hopes up about anything anymore. I can't be hurt if these walls are up. And so a lot of times we build up those walls and then we isolate from other people. The one that really spoke to me is no one understands what I'm going through. Now, one person understands what I'm going through. I want to give you guys a story. A while back, I was at a bank and my wife knew the one of the people that worked there. And so over time, we just built a pretty good relationship with each other, me and this person. And um, he worked at the bank. And it was it was just funny because like he 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 loved video games. He loved he loved comics. And I was a big fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, you know, we had a lot of the same interests and things like that. We would talk about a lot of the same different things that we really enjoyed. And so I went there to go sign a paper or something like that. I don't remember what it was. But as I was sitting there, we were talking about some things. And somehow we got onto the subject of just our personal issues in life and things like that. And he started telling me about some of the issues that he goes through with his wife. And I could have swore, like, let me tell you guys something. I had never experienced this before in my life. I thought I was speaking when he was talking to me. Word for word, the situations and the things that he was going through in his life, they were exactly what I was going through. They were exact. And so I started telling him about some of the things that I deal with as well. And both of us started tearing up. I mean, somebody else could have looked into the office at that point, and they probably would have thought that I was getting turned down for a loan or something like that. We both started tearing up. I almost started crying in the middle of the bank. <laughs> okay. It was a very emotional experience for me. Now, it didn't solve the problem. It didn't fix everything that I was going through. But I can tell you that I felt a massive piece of just relief. I had a, a, a massive sense of peace that set down on me. I'm not the only person that's dealt with this. There is somebody else in this life that deals with the same exact issues that I'm dealing with right now. I, it, it, it's not that nobody understands me because this person, and I said to him, I looked at him and I said, you are the first person who I can honestly say understands the issues that I go through on a daily basis. And we were both sitting there tearing up. Like I said, it didn't resolve anything. But because I was opening up to somebody, because I was talking to somebody, it helped me to be able to get through a very difficult part of my life. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're going through something in your life and you're trying to run this marathon, I completely forgot to tell you what my first point was, but it's called run with others, okay? We're at the end of the point. We'll get the title out now. It's called run with others. We need to be running with other people who are in the faith. We need to be talking to these people. I encourage you to reach out to the community care team. Reach out to some of our staff. Reach out to somebody that is in your family. Reach out to somebody that you know and talk with them about the problems that you're going through in your life. Because you might be surprised to find that you're not the only person that's been through this before. You might be surprised to find that you're not the only person that feels this way.
My job on the community care team is not to take a jackhammer and to break down the walls that you have guarding your heart. My job is not to break through that wall or to walk around that wall and try to find a way to get to your heart. My job is to help you to feel safe enough so that you can start taking that wall down brick by brick by brick because you feel safe. It's a dangerous thing to do. It can maybe sometimes take years to be able to take down those walls. But I want to encourage you today, and maybe you felt that way. Maybe you felt like that you, you need to be safe. Maybe you felt like nobody understands you. I want to tell you there are people out there that care. There are people that love you. There are people that want to be able to help you. They might be able to give you uh, some positive direction. They might be able to pray for you. They, they might be able to sympathize with you or maybe even just be a listening ear to give you some godly advice or some wisdom. I encourage you to reach out to other people and to not run alone. The second thing that I would say is that we need to run without sin. There are games. Let's, let's listen to me about this. Okay. I am the worst with inventory. I am the worst with inventory in any game possible. Okay. If there is not a sorting option in the game for me to quickly sort things in my inventory, it's going to be a complete disaster and complete mess because I just don't have time in my life when I'm playing a game to sort through each piece of gear and sort through each item that I have to make everything look all pretty. There are a lot of people that do that and it's it's fun for them. Okay. I just I I, I just don't have the time to do this. So there are many times when I'm playing Final Fantasy 14, I will complete a quest. And after I get through this 10 minute cutscene, it will say you cannot complete this quest because you can't pick up any more items. What do you mean I can't? I can't pick up this item. How many items do I have? And I look in, I realize my entire inventory is completely full. Like this happened, and this this is not just once. Like this is an, a daily thing for me when I complete a quest that my inventory is full. Okay, I need to go in. I need to fi figure out what the least important piece of inventory is. I need to delete it, and then I can go back in and finally do it. But I think the best developer to be able to figure out inventory space. And some of you might be triggered by this. I think it's Bethesda. I think it's Bethesda. They do a weight limit. And in some of their games, you either don't move at all, or they eventually evolve to, you move just, you move, you just move really triggeringly slow. Like it's actually pointless to try and get from point A to point B because you're carrying too much weight on you. I think they did it the best. But here's the thing. We, during this marathon of life, it, it would be very silly for me if before I ran a marathon to put on a, a, a backpack that was filled with rocks and then to try and run the marathon. It's just adding unnecessary weight that's not needed in my life. And a lot of times during our, our marathon of life, what we do is we add on unnecessary weight and that unnecessary weight is sin. So I want to read for you guys again. It comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. I'm going to read the second part of it now. And it says this, Let us also lay aside every weight, and then get this, and sin which clings so closely. Sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Sin which clings so closely. When we sin, the Holy Spirit convicts us. When you 
understand who Jesus Christ is and you've accepted him into your life, you submitted your life to him, when we sin, the Holy Spirit convicts us. Now, if you read through the rest of this chapter, it talks about not being wary due to sometimes when we do sin, not to see it as a bad thing, the discipline that we get and the feeling that we get. But I will tell you that sometimes when we have that conviction on our heart and we feel that guilt and that shame and we know we did something wrong, it really does add on some extra weight. But here's the real big thing about sin is it draws us farther and farther and farther away from God. Sin separates us from God. God is our strength. He is our power. And if we're drawing ourselves away from that strength and power, life is going to be a lot more difficult to run. And it's going to be a lot more difficult to keep that up this endurance because of the sin that we have in our lives. There, When I used to be a youth leader, I would get somebody come up to me and they'd say, hey, listen, I wanted to tell you, I'm really sorry. I say, well, what's up? I, I, I did this thing and I know that it was wrong, but I feel really bad about it. And I had to come to you about it. I said, well, thank you. That's a really great thing. So, what do you mean it's a great thing? I just told you that, that I sinned. I said, well, yeah, I'm disappointed in you and what you did. But I just told you that I feel horrible. Like th this is not a good thing. I'd say it's actually a very good thing that you feel horrible. Because you see what I used to teach them was when you sin, and you feel bad about what you're doing, that's a good place to be because that means you feel conviction. That means you're close to the Holy Spirit. But if you sin and you don't feel anything, that will show you how far you are from God because you're not even feeling conviction at that point. You don't feel bad about the things that you do. So I used to tell them, if you do something wrong in your life and you don't feel anything at all, that's when you should really be scared. I was listening to a pastor a long time ago, and something that he said really struck a chord in my heart, especially on that day. And he said, when was the last time that you shed tears over your own sin? Let me tell you, I could just drop the mic right now and walk away and sermon over, right? I, I, when I heard that, I realized in my life, as humans, we think of some sins as bigger than others, but let's be completely honest, in the eyes of God, sin is sin, okay? Sin is just sin. And when he said, when was the last time you shed tears over your own sin? I realized, I don't know how close I can actually be with God if, I'm, if I can honestly say that I don't know when the last time I shed tears over my sin. I don't know when was the last time I got on my hands and knees and cried because of the things that I did against an, uh, an all holy God who I say on a daily basis that I love with all of my heart. So it really struck a chord with me a long time ago with when I heard that. And so sin will continue to weigh you down over and over and over. Maybe you're reading a version of the Bible that's a little bit different though. And it doesn't say that it clings so closely but it says that it entangles you, that, it, it, that sin can entangle us. I think sometimes we think of ourselves as being above sin, above certain sins, okay? I would never go and do that. I can't believe that you did that. I, there's no way that you would catch me doing that. And then 5, 10, 15 years goes by, and the very thing that you said that you would never do in your life, you realize that you're doing it. The thing that you said you would never do is the very thing that you're doing that day. A lot of times we think, well, 
it's it, it it's just a small peak. It's just a, I'm just gonna look at it just a little bit that turns into a 20 year addiction. I'm just going to go out for one drink and it turns into an addiction where now maybe you've abused your family and it turned into an addiction that you can't get out of so easily anymore. But it was just because of that one step. You see what sin does, it will trap you, it will entangle you, and it will drag you deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into that sin. And the reason why it drags you deeper is because what sin does is it makes you want it more and more and more and more because just that little peak wasn't enough to satisfy you. So you need a little bit more, just that one drink. It didn't satisfy you. So you needed more of it. And this is what sin does to us in our life. It drags us deeper and deeper and deeper into it. And the reason why it drags us deeper is because you're trying to satisfy yourself with something. You're, you have a God shaped hole in your heart and you're trying to satisfy that hole but you can't satisfy it with pornography. You can't satisfy it with your anger. You can't satisfy it with drinking. You can't satisfy it with all these different things that are going on in your life. The only thing that you can satisfy a God-shaped hole is with Jesus Christ. The only way you can satisfy that part in your heart, you're trying to satisfy it. And let me tell you, Jesus Christ, he is sufficient enough to be able to fill that hole for you. All these things that we can get dragged down to and those things, yeah, it's it. Listen, sin is hard. It is difficult. But I can promise you today that that you need Jesus Christ to satisfy that part in your life. And so we need to be fighting against this sin. We need to be fighting against it. So how do we fight against these sins? Going back to point number one, I would say you need to fight it with other people. Okay. I want to read a verse for you guys. It comes from James chapter five and it's verse 16. It will be on the screen as well. And it says this, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Let me tell you something. If you confess your sins to me, Pastor Susie, Pastor Amanda, Pastor Tammy, Pastor TJ, Pastor AJ, one of our staff members, somebody that's one of our volunteers or somebody inside of the church, they cannot heal you. But I can tell you that when you confess your sins to somebody else, there's a more of a sense of urgency that you have somebody that's keeping you accountable, that you have somebody who is there to love you, to teach you, to walk with you on this journey as you're trying to get through it. The only person that can heal you of your sins is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone because of the sacrifice that he made on the cross and because of his resurrection. But the thing is, is we can find healing through these other people as they're being used as vessels for us to be able to find that healing from the sins that we do in our life. I can tell you, I've experienced this myself where I've been in sin, where I've been struggling with something and I went and had to confess it to somebody else. And because of that, I have found healing through the accountability that I had with that other person. So I encourage you guys run with other people, but run without sin. A couple other things that you can do to fight sin is to be praying about it and to be intentionally spending more time with God. I know it sounds cliche. I know 
Oh yeah. I need to pray. Yeah. I need to read my Bible more. Yeah. I need to spend time with God, but listen, the fact of the matter is we can say those things day in and day out, and there are very few people that are doing it to try and get rid of their sin. But I can promise you that if you're doing these things, if you're confessing your sins to one another, finding accountability partners, when you're praying about it and intentionally spending time with God, you're going to start to see that the things that you your flesh desires, the things that your flesh desires of the world, all the sins in his life, it's going to get lower and lower and lower and the things of the spirit are going to get higher and higher and higher. And you're going to have an overflow of the spirit in your life. And those things that you used to desire, you still might struggle with things every once in a while. You still might slip up every once in a while. But the fact of the matter is you will start seeing those sins in your life being drowned out and you will start seeing the things of the spirit getting bigger and bigger in your life. So we went over running with others. We need to be running with other people in our life in this marathon because it helps us to run with others. Then we talked about running without the extra baggage, all this added weight that's in our life, running without sin, okay? Don't run with sin. I think the most important thing that we need to remember, and if you take anything from this sermon, if you take anything from this sermon that I'm preaching right now, is to run with God. There are, there, there are listen, we don't run with God enough. And I think there's a multitude of reasons of why we might run with God. One of them might be that we're mad at God. We're mad at God. Well, God, listen, you haven't dealt with it yet, and I'm just upset with you right now. I've been there. Who has been there before where they've been mad at God? I know that I have. Another one is we might think that our problem is too big for God to handle. It's just, it's just way too big for him to handle. He, if he hasn't dealt with it yet and he loves me, then obviously it's too big for him to handle. Or maybe you've been on the other side of the scale and you said, well, my problem is too small for God to handle. It's obviously too small because he's handling other problems in other people's lives, but he's not handling mine. Or maybe you think, God, don't worry about me. My problem, it's not as big as somebody else's problem. When this problem is affecting your life day in and day out, and it's dragging you into a hole that you feel like you can't get out of, let me tell you, your problem is not too small for God. It is not too big for God. God can handle the big problems. He can handle the small problems. But I can tell you, if something is affecting you that much, it is not a small problem either. Another thing that we might say, another lie that we tell ourselves, I'm not worth it. I'm not, I'm not worth it for God to come through. I'm not worth it for him to come through in my life. And then finally, the final line, I've definitely been here before. God obviously just doesn't care. God just doesn't care. Listen, I've hit all of these points in my life at some point in time. I've been mad at God because he hasn't dealt with the problems in my life. I've said to God before, and even though deep down inside, I knew it wasn't true, but I've said to God, God, obviously the problem is too big because you're not handling it. So obviously you can't handle it yourself. I've also said to him, obviously my problem is too small because you're handling the things of the, you're handling so many other things, but my problem is you it just doesn't matter to you because it's too small of a problem in your eyes to take care of. I thought that I wasn't worth it, that God did not care about me or my wife. I've been there before. But I think one of the biggest things that we definitely go to is we want control. And we don't want to submit to God and give him control over the situation that is going on in our lives. 
You see, there are many times in the Bible, we see many characters in the Bible or figures in the Bible who try to take control of their own situation. I mean, you think of Moses, right? Moses, he, he, he killed the Egyptian when he saw him harming somebody that was his own per- people. He, he, King David, he took things into control in his life when he, when he had the whole thing that happened with Bathsheba. A lot of you know what I'm talking about if you've read through that story before. It's probably one of the most famous stories that King David has, right? You have the Israelites. If you read through the book of Judges, after every single chapter and in the middle of each chapter, you see that they did what was right in their own eyes. And then they would have, you know, they, they would go to God and they would say, God, we need something. And then God would give them a judge. And then they would once again, do what is right in their own eyes. The very last verse in the book of Judges is that the Israelites went back and they did what was right in their own eyes. It doesn't end exactly with the way that you would think it would end. You have Aaron doing things that that uh, that are under his own control. Moses' brother. You have Peter. You have Paul. You we could go through a multitude of people that are in the Bible who do things and try to take control of their situation. But what you see over and over and over again is that when they turn to God the Father or they turn to Jesus Christ, they start to see a difference. They start to see a solution come into play. They start to see that things get a little bit better. And I know that for me, I take control of things in my own life a lot of time because I think, well, listen, it, it, things, it just seems like it's been, been getting worse I don't see things getting better. So maybe if I take control, things will get a lot better. And I can tell you that is not, that is not the way to go about these things. I can honestly tell you that it is not about taking control of it yourself. God can take control of the situation. He will bring a solution in his own timing. But here's the other thing. I want to tell you what you can get when you run with God. And bear with me here because these are things that I, I was kind of just reading through and picking out different verses because they have such big things in them about what can God can do in your life. Here are some of the things that when you run with God, God can give you in your life. He can give you renewed strength when you're running with him because God, the father, he has an immense amount and and he has an eternal amount of strength that he can continue to give you on a daily basis. He can give you peace in your life. The Bible talks about a peace that surpasses all understanding. So all, when you look forward, all you see is chaos in your life. You don't see things getting better. He can give you an immense amount of peace peace in your life as you go through. He can give you endurance and he can give you perseverance as you continue to go through life. Because once again, we have all these things hitting us by every single side, but I promise you that God can give you, he can give you endurance and perseverance. He can give you power. He can give you encouragement. He can give you help through the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, he came to help us, to live inside of us, to give us direction in our path as we continue going through. He can give you an eternal joy. This doesn't mean that you're going to be happy all the time, but he can give you a joy so that you have a hope in knowing that Jesus Christ is going to come back one day. And you know that you are going to have victory through him. You have protection from God. You can see him as your castle or your refuge and your strength. He can give you a new perspective as well. 
Because when you're going through your problems, a lot of times, once again, all you see is the chaos that's going on and you're blinded from the blessings that you might have in your life. And we talked about blessings last week. He can give you a new perspective so you can understand that God can see the solution to your, pro- to your problem, even if you can't see the solution to your problem. There's, a, a, there's an ultimate love that he showed through sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be with him in heaven. Listen, we didn't deserve to have Jesus Christ come to die on the cross for our sins. We did things against a holy God, and yet he loved us enough in spite of who we are, in spite of what we've done, to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. He can give you courage. He can give you bravery in the face of something that would might give you fear. He can give you restoration. Maybe you're struggling in a marriage right now. Maybe you're struggling with something that's going on in your life right now, but he can give you restoration. He can help you to have mending in the broken brokenness that you have in your life. There might be many areas of your life where you feel broken, but he can give you mending in those areas of your life. He can bring faith. He can bring blessings into your life that you don't even see. And then he is also a stronghold and a light for us so we can continue moving forward with the light that he has given us. He has given us refuge. He gives us mercy. He gives us grace. He gives us salvation. And the final thing that God gives us is he gives us victory because God is not a God. He has never lost. He is undefeated in any battle that God fights. He does not lose. He only knows what victory is. That's the team that I want to be on. That's the God that I want to run with. A God who only knows victory because he will continue helping you and pushing you along and pressing you forward as you continue through life. Because life is difficult. We are humans And it is hard for us because we are not everlasting humans, okay? We are not people who can just continue pushing forward no matter what on our own. But with God, we can have victory. We can be standing upright as we cross through the finish line. If we're running with others, we're running without sin, and we're running with God, we will cross through the finish line. So there's one last verse that I want to leave you with today. It comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. And it says this, looking to Jesus, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right-hand throne of God. I encourage you guys to run with other people in your life to run with those around you that care about you, that love you, that are Christians who will give you the right advice. I encourage you to run without sin. And I encourage all of you, maybe you are not a believer today. Maybe you are somebody that just came in and you have no idea what we're talking about here. I encourage you to run with God. Life is hard. We have difficulties in our life. I know it. I've been there. I've had the struggles in my life. I've seen people in my life who have struggled with depression. I've seen people who have struggled with anxiety to the point where it has hurt me myself because I've had to deal with those different things in my life. But I can promise you that when you're running with God, running with others and running without the extra weight of sin added onto you, this race of life is a lot. It's a lot easier. So I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to do that today. But I have a question for some of you in the chat right now. Have you made Jesus your king? Have you made Jesus your king? Have you accepted Jesus Christ to live inside of your heart? 
Listen, some of you right now, like I said, you might be coming in new. I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ into your life. There is something when you accept Jesus Christ into your life that changes. It, it changes everything. It is a decision that I have never regretted. And it's a decision that I hope I would see more and more and more people make on a daily basis because Jesus Christ, he can satisfy everything in your life. And so I, I want to take a moment right now and just tell you guys that Jesus loves you so much. No matter what you're going through right now, no matter what the struggle is that you're going through right now, that Jesus loves you so much. And he wants you. He wants you to accept him into your life. Jesus Christ came to this earth and he lived a completely pure, perfect life. And then he went to the cross for us. It, it, he he didn't he he could have at any point in time when he went to the cross he could have just snapped his fingers and got right off because the pain was too much but jesus christ thought of you and so he went to the cross for you and so when he went to the cross he died up there and then he was put in the grave and three days later he rose from the dead which breaks the barrier between us and god the father and then after that, we can repent of our sins. We can turn away from those things. We can ask for forgiveness. And because of the blood of Jesus Christ that he spilled, it covers our hearts so that one day we might stand in front of the Father and he won't see the sin in our heart, but he'll see the son or he'll see the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And so maybe that's you right now. Maybe you want to make a first time decision, or maybe as I was speaking, maybe you've made a decision before, but you've fallen, you've fallen really far away from God. This is an opportunity as well for you to rededicate your life. Like I said, one of the biggest things that struck a chord in my life, I was listening to a pastor a long time ago, I said this before, was he said, when was the last time you shed tears over your own sin? And maybe for you that struck the same chord that it, that it did to me years ago, where you realize I really haven't been feeling conviction over any of the things that I do. I've been doing things and I don't feel any conviction. I am far away from God. I'm, I have been distanced so far from God that I don't feel anything when I sin in my life. This is an opportunity for you as well to rededicate your life. So whether you want to accept Jesus Christ into your life for the first time or rededicate your life to Jesus, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, I come before you right now I believe that your son, Jesus, that he died on the cross and that he rose from the dead three days later. And I ask you, Jesus, to come and live inside of me. And God, I accept your grace, your mercy, and your salvation. I commit my life to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for those people right now that are accepting Jesus Christ in their life? And hey, I want you to do something bold and brave for me. If, if maybe this message hit you, if you did just accept Jesus Christ for the first time, or if you rededicate your life, would you let it be known to us by putting a yes in the chat? We want to celebrate with you. We want to congratulate you. We want to know who you are so we can once again just see your name and see that Jesus is making a 
away in the lives of people. And hey, maybe you don't want to put a yes in the chat and that is okay. But I would ask if you did make that decision, we want to be able to connect with you. And so if somebody can type exclamation point next level in the chat and click on that link, I would ask you to click on that link. It will send you to a form that we ask you to fill it with as much information as you feel comfortable giving. That's going to give us a way to be able to give you some resources. We have a yes coming in right now. I came and I, I won't even try to pronounce that, but we have a yes coming in. Praise God. Praise God. We have a couple of them in there, guys. That's absolutely amazing. And hey, click on that link. Like I said, it's going to allow us to be able to connect with you, but also to be able to give you some resources. A lot of people, they just made this decision. They don't know where to go from here. They're saying, well, you know, the Bible is a really big book. Okay. Where do I start reading in this thing? It's a really big book. Where do you start reading? We would like to give you some information. Maybe you have a question of how do I pray or whatever that might be. I want to be able to help you on those things and connect with you as well. So please fill out that form so one of our staff members can connect with you, be able to give you guys those resources or answer any questions that you might have. And guys, this is the reason why we do everything here at God's One Church. We continue seeing people on a weekly basis giving their lives to Jesus Christ. We're able to do things like SquadCon, which we have coming up in just a couple of more weeks. We do all of these different things. And the reason why we're able to do it is because of your faithfulness and your generosity that we're able to do so. And so I want you to know, maybe this is your first time here at God Squad Church. Maybe this is the first time that you would like to give. I want you to know there are multiple safe and secure ways that you can give to our church. You can do so by going to the panels below, clicking on the give link. You can also go to our website and you can uh, make it recurring, whether it be monthly or, or weekly uh, donate or one-time donation. And you can also use text to give by texting any amount to number 84321. But no matter how you are giving, we thank you so much for your faithfulness and generosity. And remember, guys, every penny counts.